0: Welcome to Milton and King's On The Wall podcast, where we engage in conversations with artists, designers, and more. Today we speak with Shai Delgrosso of Shai Dell RVs and Design. We hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and review. Hi, Shai. Hi. How are you?
1: Well, thank you.
0: Thank you for uh, coming on with me today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited, actually.
0: <laughs> what are What are you up to?
1: Um, I have just been doing work on my personal Class A motorhome the last few weeks, so trying to get it up to speed because we just moved in in August.
0: Okay, so this is a sort of a brand new um, vehicle RV that you got.
1: Yeah. This one just fell in my lap. It's a country coach. So we're really excited about it.
0: Is it brand new or is it something that you you got and you're updating?
1: Oh, no. It's um, one that I got. It's a 2004. So they don't make country coaches anymore.
0: Okay. And
1: rumor has it that I've heard that country coach is like the best motorhome ever made. So we got really lucky with this one. There's only a few of them out there. So. Okay.
0: Well, full disclosure, yeah, I I don't know anything about RVs. I I'm <laughs> completely ignorant about the whole thing, which is one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you because I've always really been fascinated by it. Like my experience with RVs has sort of been, you know, going to the LA County Fair and seeing all the RVs there that you can kind of walk in and 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 go inside. Like that, this was like years ago and then more recently um Every once in a while, my wife and I will go, huh, I wonder if that's something that we could do, we could handle. So I don't know anything about it, but I'm excited to learn all about it and excited to talk to you because you seem like you really have your finger on the pulse of everything going on in that. Really, it seems like a whole subculture.
1: It really is. There's a whole lifestyle and a whole community, and it's such a welcoming community that it's really hard to get away from, but there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be shared out there, which is why I do what I do. This actually fell into my lap. I wasn't planning to do this. But if you and your wife want to try it out, there's a whole bunch of um, platforms out there, like rental platforms that Mm -hmm. you can go and rent one uh, for the weekend or the week or for a vacation and see how you like it before you actually commit to buying one.
0: Right. So you, you, the one you just got, you said it's known as being one of the best ever made. What, what constitutes the best? in an
1: RV? Um, well, this one is a motorhome. It's a class A. So class A's are kind of like the buses that you would tour in, right? So mm-hmm. they look like the big buses, the square rectangular boxes. Um, the Country Coach, what, they don't make them anymore. So this was built on a Dynamax chassis. The chassis is the kind of like the trailer bed that they put everything on with the wheels and um, the engine and the whole lot, right? And mm-hmm. it has a Caterpillar engine. It's a diesel. All of the things. So it lasts. it's supposed to last a, whole, a really long time. So... It's supposed to last up to 300,000 miles. Right now, this one is a 2004, and it only has a little over 100,000 miles on it. Great condition. But even the work and the quality inside, it's real maple wood. Um, The finishes are amazing. They use real porcelain tile. So it's not your everyday RV or your everyday camper, right, Mm -hmm. and the way that they put it together. Uh, I find (laughs) it—it's all new to me, actually, because I'm used to working on trailers and— like fifth wheels and campers and vintage campers are my favorite to work on. So building it from the frame up or tearing it down. So that's what I specialize in. So the motorhome is new to me and it's really fun trying to figure it out as far as the electric system and the engines and the whole nine yards, but they don't make the country coach anymore. And it's supposed to be like top of the class for that time.
0: So this is motorhome as opposed to a trailer that you'd be towing, right?
1: Right, Exactly.
0: Okay, so that basically the car engine portion of it, um, with the actual like camper part of it, I guess you would say. I'm I'm probably going to get all the lingo totally wrong, so you'll have to correct me and educate me. um, Oh no, you're fine. (laughs) Where 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 it's necessary. Um, So just to get get a little bit of history and get back. So you obviously got into this at some point. So somewhere along the line, you were living, I guess, quote unquote, normal life in a home and a house somewhere. Um yeah. and you're based in Las Vegas, right?
1: Yes, we are in Las Vegas. And we have been in a house um up until this year. So up until the past year. Um Okay, so it's fairly it's, a new it, experience. Well, yeah, full time living is a new experience. But as far as the lifestyle, we've been we've been in the lifestyle since twenty eighteen fully. Mm -hmm. emerged in it, right? Um, That's when we got our first camper, our first RV. And that's how it all started in 2018 with our first one. I wasn't planning to start a business with the renovations or the repairs. Uh, Like I said, it just kind of fell in my lap. So we got our first one. It was a travel trailer, a 2017. And the interior was dark and brown and the usual from the manufacturer, right? Um, I wanted to update it because I knew that we would take it camping. And we have six kids. (laughs) So we have a lot of kids and it would just be more comfortable to camp in an RV or a trailer as opposed to tent camping like we would previously do Mm -hmm. so i wanted to make it more homey i updated it i painted it all the good stuff Uh, i showed it to a couple of my friends and they said you know what this is really good you should post it on social media and at the time i was not big on social media at all i actually try to steer away from it Mm -hmm. um So I posted a couple things, and then it just blew up from there. I got a lot of positive feedback on my first remodel, and they wanted to see more. They wanted to know how I did certain things, where I got the materials, where I bought them from, et cetera, et cetera. And then it kind of snowballed, and then, I don't know, 20-some, 30-some RVs later, here I am.
0: (laughs) Okay, so now— 2018 you said is when you kind of really started getting into it so prior right. to 2018 um, I guess I have sort of a two-part question one is were you had you had prior to 2018 had you already had experience sort of in the RV world even from like a renter's perspective would you go on camping trips and do that sort of thing are you a camper outdoorsy type of person what was oh, your experience absolutely. With that?
1: okay so My camping experience was limited to tent camping and out of trucks. Uh, My dad would take us fishing, but we always did the tent and we always did like the roughing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) With the campfires and whatnot. I had no previous experience with campers or RVs whatsoever. I remember like one trip when I was little and my parents' friends had taken us as children just to get them out of their hair for a weekend. Mm -hmm. And I thought, their RV and their camper was like the best thing ever, but that was my only experience before our first one in 2018. But as far as outdoors, my husband and I are super outdoorsy. We hike all the time. We take the kids to the beach as often as we can. You know, you name it, we're outdoors. We can't be in a house, stuck in a house. We've always felt limited. So there was something missing there, and it just all kind of clicked after 2018, after all of this started coming into fruition.
0: Okay, now what about my second part about that question? Would be prior to twenty eighteen, and you renovating RVs, had you already had kind of um, I don't know what you call it, just like DIY experience? Could you build things? Could you fix things? Were you like a you know around the house? Were you the person that would? you know, I don't know, fix the stove, fix the plumbing? Yeah, yeah,
1: I I would say so from the moment I learned how to walk.
0: <laughs> so you're, you're a handy person. <laughs>
1: um, I like to think so, but I never considered myself a handy person, right? It was just something that I enjoyed doing from time to time. I would much rather put furniture together and uh, rehab furniture than going out and buying a brand new set of Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I would always try to be frugal and save a buck and try to do everything myself. And I've always been like that, but it never clicked for me. And it never, you know, made sense up until RVs. And then I finally figured it out. All of my experience... With motherhood and with the different houses that we were in and my experience in the workforce, say in hospitality, real estate, you name it. It all kind of came together Mm -hmm. once I started doing this and I take all of my past experiences and then... Put it into my business. Like when I was a kid, my favorite toy was this plastic car that my dad got me when I was probably six or seven, and it was a plastic toy car that you could take apart with big plastic screws and then put it back together. Mm. <laughs> that was like the best thing ever. So I think it was always kind of there for me.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So in some ways, you have a sort of a, a predisposition that is really, um, lends itself towards maybe going in this direction because you're already sort of handy mechanical in that sense. And, um, you know, you have that sort of outdoorsy experience you've experienced camping and sort of that, that sort of, I I don't know, for lack of a better term, nomadic lifestyle. Um, and and even if it's recreational, that kind of primed you for what you would eventually be doing you tell you, you mentioned a couple of keywords there that I want to kind of dive into before we get too far into it. So you said that you're a mother and you have six children. Yes. <laughs> um and so are all these uh, children still living with you in the RV? Uh
1: three out of the six are. So with okay. the six children, um my husband and I are blended. So I have two from my previous, he has two from his previous, and we have two together. So, we are literally the Brady Bunch. Right. Three boys, three girls. <laughs> okay. Um, so, three of them are living with us right now. My oldest daughter, she's about to be 20. Uh, mm-hmm. She was in Arizona for a minute with her dad, but she came back and she absolutely loves staying with us. Um and then I have my nine-year-old daughter and our three-year-old son. And the other kids, they are with their other parents, but they come and visit often.
0: Okay, so was that was, how? How much of that was a um, uh, consider? I mean, I imagine it was a huge consideration. But how hard was it? Because you know, every child is different. Everybody right. sort of has different needs. Even no matter how you raise them, somehow they just. Whether it's genetics or whatever it is, they all have sort of have their own minds and likes and dislikes oh, and things like that. So, was there any um, like tough decisions to make in terms of making the shift from going to a home to an RV in terms of, well, you know, this ch- child number three doesn't like it, child number two does, but this one's more of a homebody and doesn't, you know, how what, did that dynamic come into play at all as you were making decisions to go the full RV living route?
1: Oh, absolutely. We would have done this way sooner had it not been for that, right? For that thought process. Because the four, we call them the quad, the older four, right? They're Mm -hmm. 17, 17, 18, and 19. And then Mm -hmm. we have the two littles from um, our marriage. So the quad, the four older ones, there is no way we would have been able to do this with them. Well, now we have two that have graduated and now we have two high school seniors. So they're almost done. Mm We mm-hmm. wanted to wait until they were done with school and, you know, keep the home life and their bedrooms for them and keep kind of like a stable structure. Um, but if it wasn't for that and them growing up and becoming young adults, then we probably would have done this around COVID time, 2020. Yeah. So we've been just like counting down the days and we were supposed to wait another year. Um, but this year, everything just kind of fell into place and it was the right time and, we pulled the trigger on it. And then we got rid of the house, got rid of like 90% of our stuff because it's just stuff. And life is just much better now and less stressful.
0: Yeah. And so I mentioned timing sounds like it was a a very important part of the whole thing. Um, Oh,
1: yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then the other thing you had mentioned was you're doing this full time. So now this is your job. You 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 flip. Was it you flip RVs? You what is it you do? Is like what's the name of your business and what do you offer as 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 a, as service for your business?
1: And the name of the business is Shidel RVs and, desi- and design. Um, so what I do is I do RV renovations, and that's how it started. Was taking on clients and doing renovations and partial renovations for them and remodels. I would go in and do the work hands-on by myself and then make their spaces completely beautiful. Um, That has evolved into social media. So now I concentrate on being a content creator. And the videos that I put out are short form. They're very direct informational because what I found doing this for like the last few years and in all of my experiences, there are so many new RV owners and even veteran RV owners that still are not sure how their systems work. Uh, They go and they take their rigs and their units to the dealership or to a repair shop. It sits there for months and months at a time and they charge them a ridiculous amount of money, like thousands of dollars on up, right? Mm -hmm. For the most simple repairs. So they're not able to enjoy their RVs and campers. They're not able to enjoy the lifestyle. They're not able to enjoy that time with their families because their units are in the repair shop. For the tiniest little things, it could be just like a quick plumbing leak that they can fix on their own. It could be one little screw. It could be, you name it. You know what I mean? There's a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of different things that could potentially go wrong in an RV and camper and they will. It's guaranteed hundred percent of the time. So I found that out in my experience and I wanted to share the knowledge and I wanted to put all of my experiences and all of my mistakes out there into short form videos so that Uh, viewers can get the information direct and for free. So they didn't have to go searching because all of the questions that I had when I started, they were not available at all. Mm -hmm. So I would have to watch these long, you know, 60 minute videos to get to one answer towards the end. right? Right. And most of the videos are long drawn out. So I try to spit out the information as quick as possible. And I have found that it helps so many people out there just save money and save time and be able to enjoy it. And then it actually gives them a new self-confidence that they can go out and do all of these tiny little things themselves without having to depend on others, right?
0: It's almost like, it reminds me of someone who's really into um, like old classic cars. Yes. And unless you have all the money in the world to get them fixed all the time, like one of the reasons why they're... A lot of time, well, just I mean, maybe it was the craftsmanship of the time or just the way they were built, but people who tend to have old classic cars, um, the ones that get the most enjoyment out of out of them are the ones that are actually working on them.
1: Absolutely. And they're
0: working on their car in their garage all the time and they'll take it out for their Sunday spin or whatever it is. Um, but they know how to, you know, take apart an engine and put it back together and and that's part of the, I guess, the hobby, part of the fun. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just sort of love the car, but you don't really know what goes into how it works or how to fix it, unless you got a lot of money to constantly be taking in <laughs> to get it fixed. Right. Um, it's, it sounds it's like a similar situation where you, you probably do have a lot of people that get RVs, they like RVs, but maybe they're not mechanical like you might be or or, you know, and they have that sort of knowledge to where they're getting the full enjoyment out of it. Because they would know actually how to work on it and kind of what goes into making an RV and fixing an RV. And so, like you said, it ends up sitting at a dealer's lot waiting to get fixed for months on end.
1: Oh, all the time, all the time. And the feedback that I've gotten from all of this content has been all positive, with the exception of a a handful of, I'm just going to say it, guys who have been working on them one specific way. So now there's um, new people coming in and there's myself who happens to be a woman trying to figure all this out by herself and trying to find new solutions that have been been tried before or haven't been done. And we take Mm -hmm. those experiences and our multitasking skills as women. And now the force in the community is just growing with women who are just Tired of working on their houses all the time or tired of asking their husbands or their partners to do it for them, right? Mm -hmm. And they're all like, okay, well, if this girl can do it, then for sure I can at least try something. And that's where that confidence comes in. And then it just kind of snowballs. And then I've think I've created quite a monster out there. <laughs> so, but it's mostly f- positive feedback. And it's it's so much fun for them because it's a new world. It's, an, it's a new community that has opened up. And, you know, the wallpapers and the pretty interiors, and that's one aspect of it. But once you start getting into the systems like the plumbing and the electric and the framework, that's where it really starts becoming fun once you delve into it.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned um the interiors and, and beautifying and all that kind of stuff, which is mm-hmm. how you got into my radar um with Milton and King, because we collaborated on um I guess is it your R V? It's your R V, correct? Yes. Um and so you're not you're not only um when you're doing these renovations and consultations and things, you're not just doing the guts of the R V. You're actually doing the aesthetics on the inside yes. and you know, essentially doing like a room makeover or, or remodel renovation um, to the interior. So had you, previ- had, had, had you had previous interior design experience at all? Or what, what was your experience? Or is it just like, oh, this is what I like, so this is what I'm getting? Or, you know, do you feel like you've got an eye for that sort of thing, for design? You,
1: you know, I didn't think I did <laughs> up until recently, up until I started figuring out that not everybody has the vision or the pictures that I do in my head when I walk into a space, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And each RV and each camper is unique in its own way. It doesn't matter if it's the same model. There's something completely different. It's kind of like a fingerprint, right? Um, But as far as my previous experience, I would... Do my kids' bedrooms in some sort of theme? I would try to make my home a home, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of the things. And I had real estate experience in when I lived in Arizona years ago. And when I was doing real estate, I got I took a couple of courses and certifications for staging, right? So I became an accredited staging professional, and ASP is what they call it. Um, but the, the knowledge that they taught in that class is kind of what I always had in the back of my head, right? So it was just kind of getting that piece of paper. So I think I always kind of had the vision of what I wanted a room or a space to look like. Um, And it just kind of came natural. And I would try to do most of it myself as far as the artwork and the pieces and any accessories because I couldn't justify (laughs) spending so much money on one piece right? That was all of my room budget. So I'd have to try to pinch pennies and that's how I got into it.
0: Yeah. And so in, in this one that you did, um, of yours, you used the, um, Oceania Damask wallpaper. Um, what was the idea behind using that? Was it, did you, was it like the seahorses and things like that your kids liked, or how did you decide on using that wallpaper design? And well, tell us a little bit about the space that you, you put it all in.
1: So the space is in the back suite of my motorhome. Um and that used to be a master suite. It had a queen bed in there. Um and the mattress was huge, so it kind of made it feel claustrophobic and closed in like a dark cave. Um, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to convert that into the kids' space because the rest of the motorhome is just the main living area, right? And I wanted them to have like a space of their own. So I took out the queen bed and I custom built like a top bunk in the closet for my three-year-old, which now my 19-year-old sleeps in because she absolutely loves it. It's cozy up there. Um, And then I also put a twin bed on the queen platform for my other daughter. Um, I asked them, and I had gotten their input, you know, we were sitting in the space, and I said, what do you want this to feel like? Do you want it to feel like you're in a forest? Do you want it to feel fun? Do you want it to feel colorful? What are your feelings sitting here? And my 9-year-old, 8-year-old at the time, uh, she said, I really like the beach, and she likes... Mm muted colors and she doesn't like the bright colors. She doesn't like pink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like bright yeah. pink like most girls do. She doesn't like the fluff. And then my three-year-old, his favorite color is actually pink. <laughs> so he likes more of the the bright colors and the feminine colors, right? Um, but I wanted to put both of those in play and I had asked him, I said, do you like going to the beach? He goes, yeah. And I go, what do you like about the beach? And, you know, we had the whole conversation because I also um, quote-unquote homeschool them, which is a form of like unschooling, road schooling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have these long conversations. So I was having a conversation about their space, and I asked him, what do you like about the beach? And he said, I like pe- picking seashells with you. I like looking for animals, and I like the sand, and I like all of these things, right? Yeah. That's what he identifies as a three-year-old with the beach, is all of the creatures. And so I was torn a little bit torn with the wallpaper designs between this one and... What was the other one that I was... It was another ocean theme. Um, But I had ordered the samples, and I received them, and I thought I was going to go with the other one for sure. But then I got the Oshana Damask, and the details on the sample were just so intricate and fun, um, but also classy and sophisticated in a way, right? And it just... It felt like the space would be brighter with a lighter background uh, than the other one would be. The other one was a little bit too vintage and a little bit too dark for what they were feeling at that moment. So we decided to go with Oceana Damask, and they absolutely love it.
0: And um, I guess that's a consideration when you're in an RV space that's, I guess, might be smaller. You probably want to go with a brighter color because a darker color could actually make it feel smaller and more enclosed, right?
1: Well, it really depends on the personality, right? It depends on your preference. Some people like the dark cave and, you know, even in their home bedrooms, they could work for any space, whether mm-hmm. it be big or small That's what and I also do consulting with my business. Right. And so a lot of people just want that reassurance of what they want to do is okay. So any space that you're in, whether it be in an RV or your home, big or small, you want to make sure that you're feeling good in that space and you want to really listen to your intuition, because when you're sitting in a space, it could look really good on a picture on Instagram for somebody else's room, right? But then when you order the samples and you get the samples, there's just something about it that you can't quite put your finger on that doesn't feel right. And that you really have to consider that. So whether it be bold colors or muted, um, light colors in an RV, or even dark, you know, some people Mm -hmm. like feeling like they're closed in a little bit because that's their little cave and that makes them feel more comfortable than being in a wide open space right Right. where they feel a little bit more exposed so it really depends on the person
0: did did you have any difficulties with putting wallpaper inside um in in the rv was there certain sort of considerations in terms of the the panels or the type of wood or the type of you know because i'm guessing that the wood in an RV, there's considerations for weight, right? So, I'm, I'm, Some woods are heavier than others and you probably want to put uh, oh, as absolutely. much lightweight stuff in an RV as possible for fuel consumption and all sorts of things like that. Um, so were there considerations in terms of like putting the wallpaper up that you had in terms of what surface you were working with?
1: Um, yes, yeah. so let me just say that my experience with wallpaper has been quote unquote fun. <laughs> so, I've had I've worked with wallpapers that have uh, peeled down with any kind of glue, special adhesives, you name it. I've tried it, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had wallpapers that have stuck that will never be removed ever again. Um, I've worked with thin material more of like a plastic vinyl right Mm -hmm. I've worked with woven I've oh my goodness I've worked with everything so what I found that works and as far as the wall and the interior and the weight you don't really have to consider the weight of the existing walls because the existing walls in a regular camper um, they're like a one-eighth of an inch plywood and then they put like this Quote unquote wallpaper over it, but it's not really wallpaper. It's more of a, like a laminate wall. Mm-hmm. So they manufacture the wall in a factory in one huge sheet, and then they laminate that paper or whatever they decide to use over it, and then everything is screwed into that. <laughs> so I don't really think it's wallpaper, but if you're putting like a new design on there, like a new wallpaper, you want to make sure that whatever surface you're putting it on is clean and prepped and smooth. There's a lot of surfaces on there that are pretty rough or somebody tries to take the old wallpaper off, the manufactured wallpaper, let's call it that. Um, And then they reveal the plywood underneath, the really thin one-eighth of an inch plywood. Well, when you take that off and reveal the plywood, then you're going to get grain in there. You're going to get the little splinters. You're going to get... All of that stuff that you have to smooth down before you even put the new wallpaper. So I usually suggest to just clean it, prep it, and put it over the existing manufactured laminate paper to cut out the time and the work and the headache of sanding it all down. It'll work.
0: And when you say prep, are you referring to like using a primer?
1: Um. Depending on the wall itself, you don't have to use a primer for a smooth wall in order Mm -hmm. to put new wallpaper on there. By prepping, I mean really cleaning it because what happens in a camper in an RV is it goes on so many trips and it's in so many different types of terrain and temperatures and... And you're going to get pet dander in there. You're going to get dirt in there. You're going to get oils from cooking because it's such a small space. So the oils stick to everything, right, when you're making mm-hmm. breakfast or dinner. Um, any previous smokers you or even campfires and, and your window is open, it all gets stuck into those interior walls and cabinets. And you can't see it because most of the interiors are brown from the manufacturer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's hard to clean what you don't see. So by prepping, I mean really using a degreaser i like to use crud cutter it starts with a k K k-r-u-d cutter k-u-t-t-e-r and that is my favorite degreaser and cleaner to use because it just takes all of that off
0: are you always doing um, interior design as a part of it or is that something that's kind of like going the extra mile is it more just you know building out sort of the bare bones of the rv is there always that design element that's a part of it
1: The design element is my favorite part of it. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's what I prefer to do. Um, There's tons of mobile repair um, guys out there, right? Or you can even take them to shops or whatnot. If it's little repairs that I can fix right away, then yes, I I will do that. I'll install like ACs and appliances and whatnot. But uh, my favorite part of the business is doing the consulting or doing a full design with the vision and the vision boards and the edited photos and the staging and the whole process is what I absolutely love about what I do. Um, it was My business was evolving into strictly repairs. I would get calls every day, hey, I have this, can you fix it? I have this, can you fix it? And then it got a bit mundane because that's not what I enjoy doing. I really enjoy doing that on my own. Mm-hmm. flips or my own campers and my own RV so that it can take the time to really figure it out and put new systems in there. But as far as clients, I prefer to do the design and the visionary aspect for them.
0: Gotcha. Do you find that um, most RVs in terms of, because you were talking about you know, the, the one eighth inch um, wood paneling and all that kind of stuff, are you mm-hmm. finding that the majority of RVs, Yeah, I guess in the, let's, let's just say the last 10 years, are they all sort of the same or are there real differences in, you know, let's say in different price ranges, are you really getting, you know, much better grade, you know, um, interiors from one to the other, or are they all kind of just coming off the, coming off the manufacturing line and they're largely the same?
1: Uh, That's, that's a popular question and it's kind of a loaded question, right? Everybody wants to know what the best brand for their type of RV is. And there's really no straightforward answer to that because they're all built pretty similar. Um, if it's, a regular RV, if it's not like a higher class motorhome or anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If it's just like a regular trailer or a regular class C, which is like a drivable one with a cab over that you've seen the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. um, Or if it's like a fifth wheel that you tow in the back of your truck. um, They're all pretty built. They're built pretty similar. So they're built on a chassis, which is like the wheels and the floor that they're built on. And then they're built with either... Aluminum framing or wood framing, then you have some insulation. But for the most part, they're all pretty much the same as far as materials. There's nobody... I haven't really seen a company out there um, go above and beyond because there's such a demand for RVs, especially since COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, the numbers on the RV sales during COVID were ridiculously through the roof. And they were there was more of a demand than there was supply. So they were pumping them out. So when I usually talk to somebody and they ask me, what year should I go for? Everybody's looking for brand new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend buying something that's used because it's been broken in with one or two previous owners. They've gotten all the glitches out. Um, if there's wall paneling or whatnot coming down because most of them are built with staples <laughs> and nails, <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? So I like to go in and um, reinforce all of that. But when you have an older unit that has had previous owners, they know what the glitches are and they can kind of relay that to you. But straight out of the the factory, they were pumping them out so fast and they were skipping so many steps, right, Oh yeah. that... They're kind of all falling apart right now, which is the fun part for me, but kind of a headache for other people is trying to figure out what they need to fix. But for the most part, they're all built the same.
0: Well, that's, that's what I was sort of kind of hinting at, you know, because you always wonder mm-hmm. if you're paying like, a let's say, a, a more exorbitant price point, right. are you really getting something that's way better in terms of, I mean, may, maybe, I mean, I don't know, you would know, maybe you're getting something in terms of motor coaches, maybe you're getting... You know, better engines or better fuel efficiency or something. But in terms of like, you know, the, the aesthetics and what everything's made out of and the wood paneling and all that kind of stuff, it sounds to me like you're saying that's kind of all the same stuff.
1: It's kind of all the same stuff. And that's why I usually recommend if you want to take it on and, you know, you want to try a new project and, you know, you want to expand your knowledge, then definitely. Try doing an older one on your own and then you'll start to see exactly how they're put together or not so much. <laughs> yeah. So, <you're, laughs> right? so,
0: you, so you must be seeing – so it sounds like what you're saying is that in terms of things like repairs and things that are needed, you're seeing a lot more newer models needing repairs than older models. Is that safe to oh, say? Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, I do. And then that's why I actually prefer working on vintage campers. So anything before like the 1980s and even the early 1990s is what they consider vintage now. Um, But I like working on those because they have better materials that they've worked with and they seem to withstand it. Their paneling on the exteriors are made out of aluminum instead of like the fiberglass that you see nowadays. You know what I mean? You get one tear in your exterior fiberglass and you'll have to replace the whole thing if you don't want a a patch job. Um, Those little things. So that's what I recommend is just getting an older model and you'll save yourself tons of money doing that. The ones that you feel like you need to buy brand new because it has a warranty on there or et cetera, et cetera, whatever your reason is, or because you just want something brand new, like a new house. That's great. Um, but you're going to end up uh, getting a little bit frustrated because all these little things are going to need to be fixed and it's going to be in the shop for a while. <laughs> so might as well just save money and do it on your own.
0: So it sounds like a case of they don't make them like they used to.
1: Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Wow.
0: Um, I'd love to dive in a little bit into sort of just RV living. That's sort of what I, I find personally most exciting or most interesting as, as someone who kind of looks looks on from his apartment and wonders what that'll be like. Um, <laughs> oh, it's great. So you said you're in Vegas. So is it, mm-hmm. I don't not to give away where you live or anything, but is it, are you still in like an RV park with a bunch of other people living out of their RVs or is yes. it? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So right now we are stationed in a community and the community that we found the kids absolutely love because there's other full timers there with kids. And do you remember back in the day where the kids would go out and I I know you remember because you're probably one of them like me, you'd go out and you would just play all day and we wouldn't come back until your parents called you in or until it got dark. But we have lost that in the last few years as a community, right? Now, kids nowadays, they get stuck on their electronics. They get stuck in their bedrooms. There's no communication within the families, all of the above. Um, Right. But with the community that we found with the RV resort, there's other full-timers with kids here. So the littles is what we call our little two. Um, they wake up, they jump out the door, and they are playing and dirty and scratched up and bruised until it gets dark and cold and it's time to get inside. Trying to get them inside is like pulling teeth, I swear. So mm. we want that type of lifestyle and that community for them. Now, in the summertime here in Vegas, it gets excruciatingly hot, <laughs> right? Yeah, We're talking say, like you, 120 degrees. It's ridiculous. So that's the time where we move. We're kind of like snowbirds in a, in a way, right? Or kind of opposite. But um, that's when we go up to nearby mountains and nearby cooler temperatures. And the kids go find friends there at campgrounds and other resource or wherever we decide to go at the time. Um, But Mm. the nice thing throughout the year is if we want to just pick up and go, we pick up and go. There's nothing tying us down. And they're not in the school system anymore. So we can go and learn about these different lessons and about life and about animals and about geography in person instead of having them sit in the classroom and read it from a textbook that they're not going to remember. So It's, it's awesome for us.
0: Do you, um, since you are sort of doing the homeschooling thing in that sense, are you going to places where they learn history and things like that?
1: Absolutely. So every day is a lesson. Every little activity is a lesson, um, there's conversations about the tiniest things. So if they come to me and say, hey, I want to learn about butterflies, you know, in the forest. Okay, let's go to the forest, right? Or even our U.S. history. If they say, hey, I want to go to a monument. Okay, well, let's plan a time to go there. Or Mm -hmm. I want to learn about Native Americans and their adobe houses. Okay, let's go to Arizona and Utah. Any, Any of those things, right? So I try to teach the lessons or have them teach themselves with feeling it and touching it and experiencing that atmosphere and that terrain.
0: That's really neat. Do mm-hmm. you find that they're re- retaining the knowledge very well and then they're becoming, you know, like a, a more so or were equivalent to them being in a classroom? Are they, do you feel uh, like they're Absolutely.
1: Soaking it in. Yeah. So that's a whole nother podcast discussion, right? Um, Yeah. A lot of people are unaware, but there's this, I want to say movement, but it's been out since like the 60s and 70s. Um, So I don't think it's much of a movement nowadays, but it's now it's a choice that people didn't think they had that they do have now. So When you go to to the school systems and say you want to homeschool, right, Um, depending Mm -hmm. on where you live and what the requirements are. Here in Vegas, we don't have a lot of requirements, so I can say I'm homeschooling, but I'm not following a set curriculum like they do in a classroom. There's this Mm -hmm. quote unquote movement called unschooling, and that's kind of a bad term for it, but unschooling is kind of like uh, lessons that our child led. So instead of them sitting in a classroom, and I can say this because I have four older ones that have been through the school system, and I have that experience with them, right? So I can kind of mm-hmm. compare the two. Um, but when they're sitting in a classroom, they're not retaining as much information. I would try to talk to the quad, the older ones, and then I would try to have discussions with them. What did you learn today? What happened in school? What did you learn about history? This and that. And all of the time they would say. I don't know or nothing or whatever but my teacher was really mean or there was something that happened in the cl- in the lunchroom or this and that or somebody said something it was always about social depression or anxiety and I don't know, maybe that was my kids, but four out of four were coming home and not sharing anything. They were really closed off, right? So they didn't retain Mm -hmm. a lot of information as far as the lessons that were taught in their classrooms. And think about it. How much information can they retain when they're competing with 30-some other kids in a classroom for one teacher's attention, right? So with the unschooling and the child-led system without a curriculum, I'm able to ask my kids, hey, what would you like to learn today or what would you like to learn this week? They come to me and say, I want to learn about this. For example, instead of my daughter saying, hey, I want to learn Spanish that you can, you know, learn in the classroom, which is great. She comes to me and says, I want to learn Korean. Okay, why do you want to learn Korean? Oh, because my favorite pop group is Blackpink, you know what I mean? And I want to understand the words that they're singing about. Well, that's great. So when a child or even an adult, when we're interested in a certain topic and there's a reason for our interest, we dive into it a lot further and deeper and we retain that knowledge for a lot longer, for lifelong in some instances, right, than we would Mm -hmm. somebody trying to talk to us, teaching us about something that we have no interest in. Right. Right. So those skills, they just kind of retain, I find, in this system compared to like a regular school system. And the first question that always comes up is well, what about their social life? Okay. Well, they have this huge community of kids that they play with 24 seven. So there's that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like also the one real benefit is their, um, aside from like, the The direct educational benefits of mm-hmm. experiencing things is they're, they have an engaged parent. And that, a lot of times that's uh, what's really lacking because, you know, it's no um, secret that the U.S. school systems are failing a lot of the kids. Right. If you don't have the support at home, if you don't have your parents saying, you know, do your homework or, or whatever it is, you know, or, or just being engaged with, you know, what's going on in the classroom, then it's really, it's a gap in the kid's ability to learn because they don't have that reinforcement at home, whereas they're directly engaging with home to learn, which is i think there's definitely something to that
1: uh, I agree a thousand percent, which is another reason why we chose to go this route and why we're living this lifestyle not every, it's not for everybody <laughs> that's not what i'm going to say i'm not going to paint rainbows right um you either love it or you don't it is what it is, but yeah. we chose this lifestyle because. Here's what happens, especially here in America, is you try to get the big house and you try to get the fancy cars and you try to get all of these consumption items, right? Because that's how we're taught (laughs) to live. The Mm -hmm. more you have, the more you consume, the higher your status, right? Or the happier you'll be. but. You know, mental health cases are showing that that is not the case. So what we really wanted to bring back with our family, and we've been like this since we got together with the quad. That was the most important thing for us when we became a blended family, was we want to engage with the kids as much as possible, go on all of these vacations, take them out, never be at home, right? Um, Mm -hmm. With the littles, it's, it's really hard to spend that quality time as a parent with one or 10 kids, when you're constantly working, trying to pay for that house, trying to pay for those cars, trying to pay for all the utilities just to retain that status and maintain it, right? The cost of living nowadays, you know what this is, it's cra- it doesn't match up with the income. It's so crazy. Like, the times that we're in. So instead of hitting the pavement and hustling and causing stress, because, you know, I've had my moments where we were trying to do that, trying to provide so much, but it was the wrong type of thing that our kids needed. They needed mom and dad and they needed that one-on-one time. They didn't need new phones or this or whatnot, right? So- I stress myself out so much working and even trying to build my business in the beginning, just working and hitting and 24-7 and it just was not working. So I finally had to step back and take a lot of step back and say, you know what, what makes me the most happy? What makes my kids the most happy? How can I help them grow and evolve? Oh, it's actually being present. But it's really hard for parents to be present nowadays when they're constantly chasing in order to provide mm-hmm. for their kids that they never see. <laughs> right? Right. It's, it's no, That nuts. makes a lot of
0: sense going back to the sort of day-to-day living so you you're sort of based in las vegas and when it gets too hot you you travel to to other locations mm-hmm. aside from like the the main trips so are, do you have basically like two or three home bases where you go like okay this is home in las vegas this is home let's say in i don't know somewhere northern nevada or something that's a bit cooler is that sort of how you do you have sort of like your anchor anchor um like RV communities that you go to?
1: Yeah, so our two is Las Vegas, obviously. Um, and then Mount Charleston and Lee Canyon. So Mount Charleston is maybe 45 minutes away from where we are on the south end of Las Vegas. It's a quick drive up the mountain, but it's a world okay. away. It's a world of difference. It's a whole different climate. It's completely different. It's just like you cross this barrier, this invisible shield, and then you're feeling one sort of way, and then you cross the shield, and then all of a sudden all your worries are gone gone it's it's pretty crazy (laughs) but that's where the kids love to go and we love going in the campgrounds up there there's three different campgrounds that we take uh our smaller camper to so we don't always take the motorhome right i have a couple other small vintage campers that i take up there um Mm Or you can also do tent camping if you want to. But the kids absolutely love it. They love chasing the creatures and the trees and the smells and meeting new friends out there. So it's not one specific yeah. home base up there. It's just the entire mountain that they love.
0: Do you ever run into any issues in terms of, because I'm guessing it sounds like this community is growing bigger and bigger and more people are getting involved yes. and obviously social media helps spread that. Do you ever have an issue where you want to go to one of your sort of, anchor communities that you want to set up at and it's full or as of right now, is it still like, you know, Oh no, we know we can go there and we're fine.
1: Um, well, it it depends on where you're going, right? But for the most part, it has become pretty saturated. Um, but to be fair, there's a lot of new up and coming campgrounds or resorts that they're building because now instead of going into real estate and building buildings, you'll, if you start doing research, right, you'll find that a lot of new campgrounds and RV parks and resorts are coming up because a lot of investors are finding that that's where the money is. And there's little overhead. So all they have to do is Mm. build the land or buy the land, right? And then have your basic utilities, which is the sewage, the electric, and uh, whatever else, right? Um, But those are your two main ones. So just as long as you Mm. put those systems in place, you build it however you want to build it. You can build it with gravel. You can build it with, you know, paved uh, spots, whatever you want to do. And the overhead is so ridiculously low. So investors are now coming in and building more RV parks. So you'll start to see them hmm. pop up <laughs> a lot. Um, so, yes, a lot of them are busy and some of them require reservations uh, way ahead of time. And a lot of them are booked on popular weekends, but you'll always find the ones that. Are available, and if you have the capabilities and you know what how to dry camp or boondock, which is uh, going out and taking your rig and your RV out into a secluded place with no electric hookup or no sewage hookup, right? If you like that, and a lot of people do that, um, you can go literally. Anywhere, and the technology we have nowadays, you can put a new solar system or an updated solar system in your unit and completely live twenty four seven off the grid, which is really nice. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you find that um that the newer technologies like the solar panels are do you find that they're effective?
1: Absolutely. And then a lot of nomads that are living the lifestyle, that's what they actually prefer, especially van lifers, right? So van lifers is a, a, a completely different community, but still within the same, you know, community, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they're really big on solar power and living off the grid and being able to not answer to anybody, right? Or not pay mm-hmm. for their cost of living, Um It goes back to, like, homesteading, too. If you want, like, an actual home base, a lot of people are buying up land and setting up their RVs there and living in their RV full-time until they decide to build an actual structure, right? Um, And then growing their own food. A lot of people are going back to the basics and building their own communities, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see.
0: In terms of, like, I would imagine when you are traveling... Or when you're setting up at these places, there are a lot of things that maybe when you're just living in an apartment or a house that you don't have to think about that in your situation you do have to think about in terms of even just i don't know i i, I don't want to be dramatic and say basic survival but but things like you know um I'm guessing you have a generator right uh, and you have to make sure you
1: yeah, in this one, we do have a generator, and a generator is what is needed in order to power the air conditioner, like anything that's 110 and 120 mm-hmm. volts, a regular outlet, per se, right? Um, In basic terms. So to power the microwave or to power the AC or the electric outlets, you do need a generator unless you have the solar system in there with the inverter and you're able to work off the electric power with your natural resources.
0: Right. So if you have a generator, you have to make sure you have enough fuel storage as well.
1: Right. So there's a lot of generators out there that are dual generators. So you can either power it with propane or gas. Um, there's also generators mm-hmm. out there that are powered with solar panels. <laughs> so your options are limitless.
0: Gotcha. So it seems like it's becoming easier than it, than it ever has.
1: Definitely more convenient.
0: Do you find that there are um, certain... St- I mean, I know you're in Nevada... So maybe this answers my question, but I was going to ask you, are there any locations or uh, certain states or cities or areas that you find are more friendly to RVs, generally speaking? Like you find, oh, I find, you know, Utah to be really good because, you know, the freeway overpasses are have high clearance or whatever it might be. Do you find that there's certain places that are just more friendly to RV culture?
1: As far as the terrain and the highways, here's a little quick tip, right? If you're traveling in a bigger rig or a bigger RV, uh, get yourself a trucker's map. <laughs> so there's a certain map that semi-truckers use and delivery guys use and the routes that they use that are friendly to height restrictions or even like weight or width restrictions, right? Um, Curves up the mountains and whatnot. So invest in that map on Amazon, and that's going to be your best friend when you're traveling the road. Um, Definitely do your research first because they're building a lot of highways and roads that are friendly, and they're taking all of that into consideration. Um, When you're going to any site, no matter where it is, Uh, like a campground or an RV park, make sure that you're calling ahead of time and asking them what their max length is, what their width of the pad is, all of those things. And then really know the dimensions and the specifications of your specific unit so you know that if it'll fit or not. Um, But as far as socially um, friendly or more socially accepting, the community as a whole, it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to find new friends. And these are the friends that uh, you'll pick up and continue to talk to and connect in some way. And they're kind of like pen pals, right? And it's easy Mm -hmm. to stay connected when you have mobile Wi-Fi and your phones and your computers. And a lot of these people are actually on social media trying to make a name for themselves because they do want to do it full-time and they don't want to be stuck to a job. And the best way to do that is to create content, you know? Um, so Mm. the community is just growing in that sense. And they're all, I I would say that the majority of them are super friendly and accepting.
0: I imagine as with any sort of subculture or social community, there's pros and cons. Yes. Um, I guess without, without asking you to be negative necessarily, (laughs) are there any things that you think you should like, you need to watch out for, or you need to be wary of when it comes to those communities at all? Does it attract certain types of people that aren't good as well as ones that like, obviously it's going to attract people who love adventure, right? who love risk, who love, you know, uh, non like traditional ways of doing things, but are there, are there sorts of, you know, uh, personalities that it attracts as well that you have to be careful of?
1: Um, yes and no. It's actually reversed. So what I mean by that is for the longest time, most of these full timers and most of the um, recreational people who have been doing this for years, not saying anything, right? To a specific type of person, but they tend to be older, married couples, retired, you know, that are able to spend some money living this full time, and they're very comfortable and set in their ways, right? And they have their little Mm. dogs with them, and I've met so many of them that are super friendly, but there's still some out there that are very in their lane. Uh, But what's happening now is ever since COVID and ever since social media, and this has been just growing as a community, the demographics are completely changing. So you still have that type of demographic out there, but now it's expanding into younger people and millennials and Gen Zers that are now coming into young adults and traveling. And this is their chosen way of life instead of waiting to do it when they're retired, right, and building their fortune and working themselves to the ground. Now it's actually reversed to where you have the younger folks coming in and doing their vacations and their retirement first before committing to any kind of stationed lifestyle, right? So you'll mm. find a lot of younger people out there. You'll find a lot of families out there and that are in the same mindset as we are, or maybe they can't afford the cost of living anymore, right? Um, and then mm. they see this as an alternative, and it's a great alternative. Um, they'll see mixed cultures. Like there used to be only one specific demographic, which was the majority, but now you have people from all over the U.S., all over the world, actually. You have Europeans coming in. You have um, the Latin community coming in. You have the African-American community coming in. And these families, their families have never done it before. And now they're trying something new, you know what I mean? So it's growing as a whole, like it's becoming one big melting pot, which is absolutely beautiful. But there are still those communities that are quote-unquote old school, (laughs) right? That are kind of mm, trying to stay in their own lane. And there's some parks out there that will limit the age of your rig. Like you can't go in if your rig is older than 10 years, right? Any kind of camper Hmm. unit. There are some parks out there that accept only motorhomes or whatever. So that's where kind of you'll you'll start to understand and you'll start to see where you should and shouldn't kind of go, you know what I mean? Depending on the park itself. Yeah.
0: When you take the motorhome, do you have to make sure you bring like do you have to tow a smaller vehicle so that if you need to kind of like go into town or get around that you can do it a lot easier, like a, like a bike or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. There's so many options with that. Um, ours is a big 45-foot diesel pusher, so we can tow our truck. So we ha- also have a, a 2500 Denali, a GMC. And that's a pretty Mm -hmm. big weight, right? But we're able to tow that. Um, A lot of these motorhomes and even Class Cs, which are the smaller RVs that you can drive, um, they're able to tow smaller cars or sedans or whatever. Um, Just really pay attention to your tow capacity on your vehicle and the tow capacity on your hitch. That gives you freedom to explore that area even further. Yeah. Oh, Also electric bikes are huge in the community right now. So invest in an electric bike hmm. right, because everybody has one.
0: <laughs> Interesting. It sounds, I mean, there's, there's so, I mean, I have so many questions and there's so much to learn. Oh, absolutely. Um, it sounds like there is a huge sort of learning curve as you get into it. it sounds like you've gained a whole wealth of knowledge just in the short, you know, I guess, what is it? Five years that you've been, um, yeah. kind of going into it more in depth. Um, but I've already taken up an hour of your time, and I don't want to, you know, wear out my welcome. So, um, <laughs> where can people get more information about you? About whether it's you know, hiring you to beautify their their RV or 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 renovations or consultations. Give us all the all the details.
1: Absolutely. So the main web website that I have is shydellrvs.com. That's S-H-I-D-E-L-R-V-S.com. Um, that's my main website. I am big on TikTok, if you guys have TikTok. Um, the handle for that is also shidelrvs, and it's the same on any platform. And then the best way to get a hold of me privately is through DMs on Instagram. And that's the same handle, Scheidel RVs. So I try to make it easy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then what people can do is they can get in touch with you for, what is it that most people are contacting you for?
1: Right now, most people are contacting me about questions and consultations. So, um they're asking little questions on their repairs or if they're trying to do it themselves. Um mm-hmm. and then I do consulting. Um an hour at a time or we can do like a 6-month consulting and I also do RV sales for them. So, I'll do their listing and this is where my real estate experience comes in. So, if they've had oh, wow. their RV on the market for a while and it's just not moving, it's not selling, they don't know what they're doing wrong, I consult on that as well. And I help them with their listing. And then I put it out there in front of my audience. And my audience is like over 120K right now. So that's a lot of exposure for them. So a lot of it is actually done through my computer remotely, which is really nice.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, there's so much information that we packed into that hour. I just want to thank you so much for um, jumping on with me and and giving me some of your time and, and all that information. That's really, really great. Um, Thank you. Hopefully we can touch base down the line and, and just check in and see um, how things are developing. And, you know, even as, as the kids grow up and challenges and benefits they have of, of RV life and just all that kind of stuff, I'd be so interested in following up um, at some point and just seeing how it's all going and seeing what your perspectives are
1: yes please that would be really fun i mean we can talk about this all day <laughs> which i do all the time anyway we are,
0: i literally feel like i can i really feel like i can just like go on and go on like i had some questions written down i'm like oh there's so much i wanted to get to but we'll save that for another time um and um for now i'll, I'll let you go but thank you again so much for getting on with me today and um i wish you all the best with um rv life and, and with your business and i look forward to talking again soon
1: Thanks for having me. This is actually really fun.